Welcome to the Frequency 49 Show. I'm Paul MacDonald. Alongside me are Cat Victorino, Deepak Gohill and Rob Newell. Hello to you all. Hello. Hello, Hello everyone. Kev's been tied up with work this week, um, so that's why he's missing from the show. He'll be back next week, though, I'm sure. Just under five months ago, 32 NFL teams set out to try and reach the pinnacle of the sport, Super Bowl 51. Some teams had better chances than others. Some teams didn't have a hope in hell. Little by little, team by team, they fell by the wayside until we were left with four. The NFC and AFC Championship games decided who would play the biggest game in the NFL season and who would go home as the also-rans. In the final game at the Georgia Dome, the Green Bay Packers took on the Atlanta Falcons and in Foxborough, the Pittsburgh Steelers took on old squashy balls himself, Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. We're also going to be talking a bit about the 49ers head coach situation in this show, but we'll start off taking a look at those conference championship games, starting with the Packers-Falcons matchup. It didn't really live up to the game it could have been, did it? Um, as, yeah, it was a bit anticlimactic. Um, I personally thought it had the ingredients to be quite a good matchup, an interesting matchup. Mm. Um, but uh, I think the biggest takeaway that I took from there was just how badly Atlanta wanted to win that game. I mean, they really wanted to win it. And they were quite ruthless in how they, they executed and, and put the game away very quickly. Mm. The Green Bay Packers, they came through the New, uh, the, the New York Giants. in uh, That was up in Green Bay, wasn't it? Then they came down to Dallas and in, in possibly one of the better games of the playoffs so far beat the Dallas Cowboys in Cowboy Stadium or in Dallas Stadium, whatever it's called these days. They they just didn't turn up for this game at all, did they, against the Falcons? Yeah, I kept looking for Aaron Rodgers, wondering where he went. <laughs> uh, looking at the stats, um, the Falcons won the game 44-21. I've got it. I think the 21 flattered um, the Green Bay Packers, to be honest. Ryan went 27 of 38 for 392 yards, four touchdowns. Rodgers had the same number of completions, 27, but of 45 attempts, an extra seven attempts, three touchdowns and one interception. Was it was it 14-0 that the Falcons t- went out on a lead to to start off with? Yes. Yeah, they, they did. Yeah, mm-hmm. they... they they just came out of the out of the stalls running with this one, and never really looked back. Did they? They never looked in in any that once they had that fourteen point lead, they didn't look in any danger of losing it at all. No, and what I found interesting was um, during the pregame show, the announcers were talking about how loose the Falcons were and how business like the Packers were, and I, the right. first thing I thought of was oh, wow, the Falcons are going to win this one. Because it always seems that the team that goes in loose and ready to play is the one that actually controls the tempo of the game. And boy, did the Falcons control that tempo. Mm. Rob, what were your thoughts on the game? I thought the the story for me is the Falcons' offense, although it's very, very good. It doesn't get the credit it deserves. And if you look at the statistics they're putting up every week, it's almost like 2007 Patriots and 95 Minnesota Vikings good. And you've got a player like Julio Jones, who's, who was unplayable on the day. Mm. And he, he apparently has three injuries in his foot. So, well, if he can do that, basically off one leg, 
What's he going to do when he's fit? <laughs> yeah. No but kidding. They're designed to get a quick lead. I think it's eight games in a row they've scored in their first possession. Mm. And they just, as soon as they get that lead, they just let the big Beasley or whatever go for the pass rush. And, and they just sort of send the dogs after the quarterback at that point. And they got to Aaron Rodgers regularly. Yeah, yeah. Well, you said Julio Jones was untouchable. Nine receptions for 180 yards and two touchdowns, including a 73-yard touchdown reception and run at the start of the third quarter. On the other side of the ball, um, the Green Bay Packers, they seem to be suffering a hell of a lot of injuries through that game. At one point, it, it, it kind of felt like they were losing one player per offensive play. Is it... Do you think it's just a case that having to play the bye, we at the um, having to play the wild card game just took that little bit too much out of the Green Bay Packers squad, whereas the Falcons had played one less game. Mm, there's arguments on both sides, I think, really. But I think you look at how many people were dinged up coming into the playoffs in the first place. Hmm. You know, Nelson, did you see the look on his face? Oh, my gosh. He was obviously yeah. in pain with every play. And he's been yeah. hurt for a while. Yeah. Well, you, you could, I mean, you could see the amount of strapping up that they'd done um, for his ribs. Mm-hmm. Anyway, of course, something like that. They're going to go straight after his oh, yeah. injured parts, shall we say, um, <coughs> it's, on every It's basically got play. a bullseye on it. Exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think Atlanta got a little bit fed up with the Aaron Rodgers storyline that was going on as well, if I'm honest. Yeah. yeah. The whole thing, that Aaron, whole thing, was it the man who killed 53 Cowboys? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. dead in Atlanta the following yeah. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. It did make me laugh a bit. But I think it just motivated Matt Ryan that team to come out and lay a hurt on them, to be honest. Mm. They certainly played like they wanted it more. The... Green Bay Packers, they, they didn't really have a game plan once the Falcons took control of that game, did they? It, it kind of felt as if they were always on the back foot. They, they didn't really have a handle on what was going on. That's because I don't think they were prepared for Atlanta to come at them in such a strong fashion and then put such a... It was like a death grip. It was a vice-like grip they put on the game. Yeah. And Green Bay could never get any separation, you know, get close. And, and then just never got any momentum going at all, you know. I, I always thought, even though the Falcons were, were a couple of scores up, that all it takes is a m- momentum shift, and this game could go back anyway. But they never, ever... And, and I think that's credit to Atlanta. They never allowed... Green Bay to have that, and and that's because of the defense that they played. You know, Atlanta played a really good defensive game as well. Mm. And but the, like I said before, my overriding feeling is that Atlanta wanted this really badly. You know, they 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 were there to win. They weren't there to mess about, and they wanted to win it in the most efficient way that they could win the game. And they did. And Green Bay were just not expecting that. I think that blindsided them. Well, that means that the Falcons are heading to Houston, Texas to play in Super Bowl 51. They are going to meet the winners of the AFC Championship game, which was the Pittsburgh Steelers against the New England Patriots. The Patriots won that game 36-17. Another convincing win. These, neither of these 
championship games were as competitive, were they, as we would have liked to see them? Well, yeah. I mean, um, the championship games are usually quite nip and tuck, aren't they? Mm. You know, the, 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 without being, you know, huge classics, they are sort of nip and tuck, touch and go, you know, without being spectacular. But these were, they were just two, um, two blowouts. But that said, that, that game against Green Bay and Dallas made up for it for all of the playoffs if you ask me that was mm-hmm. just it was just mesmerizing yeah. it was just so gripping to watch it was just incredible to watch as a neutral you know well yeah I think the AFC game might come down as the first game to be decided on social media <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> slightly different uh, Tom Brady went 32 for 42, 384 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Big Ben, 31 for 47, 314 yards, one touchdown and one interception. Following this game, Ben Roethlisberger has actually said he's considering retiring. Is that posturing for a new contract or do you think he actually means it? Mm, I think he means it. Yeah, I agree with Pat. I think he probably means it. You kind of get the impression that his window for another Super Bowl has closed now, hasn't it? Certainly yeah. with that. Certainly with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know about that. If he comes back, I think they've got quite an offense there. Yeah. If everyone's fit and healthy, I mean, obviously Le'Veon Bell, Brown, if Martavius Bryant comes back, and they get that tight end back. Well, that could be quite a like Falcon-esque offense next year. Mm. <laughs> and I agree with you, Rob. I think with what they've got this season, it won't be that difficult to sell one more season to him because, you know, legit, they've got another chance of getting all the way back into the playoffs at the least with the team that they've currently got. And once you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. Do we know what age Ben Roethlisberger is now? 36, I think. But it's the same draft class as Philip Rivers and Eli Manning. Right. right. Must be about 36. Okay. Okay. Um, red zone efficiency in this game. The Patriots converted three of five. The Steelers only completed one out of three. Um, obviously leading to that 36 to 17 score. So the Super Bowl 51 is going to be the Atlanta Falcons against the New England Patriots. Overall of the playoffs, are you happy with the two teams that we've ended up in the Super Bowl? Who be, when, Before we had the playoffs, before we had the wildcard games, who would your picks have been for the Super Bowl? Go with Cat first. I think I actually did say that my picks were the Patriots and the Packers. Hmm. Um, obviously that's not happening. I got I got it half right. Do I get yeah. a point for that? <laughs> You're batting five hundred. Yeah. <laughs> uh Rob, what were your pick what, what what were your teams for the Super Bowl this year, do you think? Um, I think we did the pod a few weeks ago. I went mm. I think I went Kansas City and Green Bay. So that was, right. that went well. <laughs> <laughs> Deepak? Well, I think perennially, you know, New England and Pittsburgh are always going to be there or thereabouts for the AFC, but I was a little surprised to see Atlanta 
Uh, I would have probably taken the safe bet and gone for the Green Bay Packers to represent a mm. pretty weak NFC. But this season has seen Atlanta emerge, certainly, and Dallas as well under some new talent, Dak Prescott. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I just don't like saying the D word, but I think we haven't heard, heard or seen the last of them. Yeah. Maybe Green Bay might even go into regression. Uh, it's hard to tell because they've got such a talented quarterback. They can do almost anything with him. But I wouldn't have put Atlanta as my first choice for being um, the NFC representative in the Super Bowl. Mm. Yeah, they were kind of the dark horse. I think before... Um, before Derek Carr went down for the Raiders, I think I was looking at Dallas and the Raiders in the Super Bowl. Obviously, Derek Carr went down, and that went out the window completely. Um, I can't actually remember who I picked for the AFC. Um, but here's, here's a question then. The Dallas-Green Bay game, if Dallas had won that, do you think they would have put up more of a challenge to the Atlanta Falcons in the game that we've just had? Or do you think we yeah. would have seen a very similar result? I think it would have been a more challenging game for the Falcons, and I think it would have been more entertaining for the fans. Yeah. I'm not I don't I don't I'm not comfortable saying who would win. I'm not really sure there, but man, that would be a that would have been a great game to watch too. Mm. I, d- I don't think Dallas could have stopped the Atlanta offense. Dallas's strength isn't the defense. I think the Atlanta would have still put the points up, but I think the Dallas offense, like T-Pat was saying, with Dak and Zeke, would have, would have had a bit more time of possession and maybe put some more points up in turn, make it yeah. more of the shootout that we thought it, this game could have been. Yeah. But we'll never know. Uh, so Super Bowl Fifty One uh, is a week on Sunday. Um, technically a week on Monday for us here in the UK. <laughs> um, and it's in Houston, Texas. Uh, it's going to be an interesting one. Um, I, we're not going to spend too much time looking at the Super Bowl because we're going to do that in next week's show. But as as your feelings are now, who would you put money on? New England or Atlanta? Atlanta. And as a, as a Niner fan, that pains me to say, being from the old NFC West when they were division rivals, but they're just, they're hot right now. They are. They certainly are. I'd, I'd love to see Atlanta win it in some ways, because I think this is that, basically because of the Carl Shanahan. But um, I think, I just can't see that image of... Roger Goodell having to give the Lombardi Trophy to the Patriots. Out of my head, I think that's going to happen. <laughs> and Deepak? Yeah, I mean, if, if Atlanta were to win it, I wouldn't raise an eyebrow, but I do think that the Patriots as an organisation are, are thoroughly prepared. This is something that's not new to them. They've been to the Super Bowl many, 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 many times. They've mm. got Tom Brady, who is... It's not going to be nice for a lot of 49er fans to hear this, but he will go down as the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL, whether we like it or not. Mm. And you can debate it was a different league in those days or what have you, but facts are facts. So um, I'm leaning towards the Patriots, but if Atlanta were to beat them, I don't think anybody should be surprised, you know, because that's another contender for next season that's, that's going to be legitimate, you know, in every way. 
Here's a theory for you. The Patriots are going into the Super Bowl on the back of a game that they may well have expected it to go exactly the way they wanted it. The Falcons are coming out of their game on a massive high after what they've done to Green Bay. Falcons take that into the Super Bowl and walk all over the Patriots. Do you think it's possible or do you think it's going to be a proper competitive game? That's kind of what I'm basing my my thoughts about Atlanta winning on is that, you know, they they played hard over last week and and obviously like like Deepak said wanted to win it. Um and I can see them taking that into the Super Bowl and and running rough shot. But then, you know, there's the other part of me that's going, but you're talking about Tom Brady and the Patriots. You yeah. know? <laughs> but I would not be surprised. If you look at the league week Five onwards when Brady came back and looking at the stats they, they put up at the weekend the Patriots are the number one offense and the number one defense in that period onwards and I just think they're going to be prepared like Deepak said they're going to have something ready it's Belichick there's certainly reasons that both teams can win this isn't there it, it, you know it, it, it's not clear cut in any way whatsoever as shown by this now I mean we're between the four of us, we're split 50-50 on this one because I'm I'm saying that I think the Falcons will win it. Um, it's going to be an interesting game, no doubt. That's a week on Sunday. We're not spending any time at all talking about the Pointless Bowl this Sunday because it is completely pointless. Uh, what we are going to spend a little bit of time talking about now is the 49ers head coaching situation. Now, as things stand, we all know relatively certainly who is going to be the head coach of the 49ers for the 2017 season for the reasons that he's he's going to be in the Super Bowl obviously we can't confirm that are you happy with how the coaching search has gone and, and the fact that yet again we're, you know, we're looking at the last man available the fact that the last man available is actually an offensive coordinator of a Super Bowl competing team by the by but for two years running we're we're looking at the last man available as our head coach I think it's a different version of the last man available though so I I think it's um, I think it is to our advantage I think this is definitely more calculated more more thought out Mm. in terms of a selection if it's the selection. <laughs> I am not going to believe anything until I, I see pen to paper. But if yeah. he's is our coach, then I think it's it's probably the right one. Yeah, I believe that though he's the last man, obviously because he hasn't taken the job yet. I think he's probably the target all along. Reading you think? the lines and hearing like coaches, other candidates mm-hmm. pulling out. Like Tom Cable basically came out and said he he came. He pulled out because he heard that the Shanahan thing was pretty much a done deal. So that's being leaked around the league. So. Do you do you take comfort from the fact that the two main contenders for the head coach's position are both involved in the Super Bowl this year? Well, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Compared to who we had last year. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't hurt, but you know, um, I, th- 
think we need to keep a cap on our expectations and what mm. to realistically expect from from whoever coaches us because you know it's I know it's it's closed in in name only but it's still not officially closed yeah things can still happen look who our ceo is you know so um anything can happen i mean i I don't think you know it'll be anybody but carl shanahan but at the same time yes he's 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 taken atlanta to the super bowl helped them to it but he has the he had the players in place to be able to do that yes we absolutely do not yeah and it's how his relationship with whoever the general manager will be and the type of players that we can bring in to work with the kind of things that he wants to do and be creative about is going to take patience. You know, it's not, you know, if we, if we just, if we win another two, only two more games again, you know, it's provided that you can see the teams heading in the right direction. It's not the end of the world. Mm. I think that's the key point. The, if it obviously does appear to be Shanahan, but it seems for a first-time coach, which is what he's going to be uh, at that level, he seems to be holding an awful lot of power. It's GM search. Yeah. yeah. And like, is it Rapp- Ian Rappaport saying that prospective GM candidates have got to meet with Carl Shanahan mm. to see which one gels with him best? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, I guess he's participating in the interview process when they interview. You've got coaches who are a lot more experienced and don't have that amount of power in Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems a very upside down way of doing things, doesn't it? I think it's really um Jed's way of trying to placate the fans as well yeah. and say, "Look, here I'm really doing what I said I was going to do and, you know, so I that's why I think it's being done this way." Okay. So it could be the anti-Harbaugh move. <laughs> they, did, they did the exact opposite with with um, Jim Harbaugh with Trent. Yeah. And when they, they backed Balky over Jim. Mm-hmm. I think this is like, oh, I've learned that lesson. I'm going to go the complete opposite way now. Well, it's still going to be, it's still going to be a couple of weeks before there is a resolution to our head coaching situation, um, obviously because of the Super Bowl. The GM, it, who is on the horizon for the GM position, do you think? Is, is there any particular front runner right now? seems to be David Patton from Minnesota mm. or the guy from Arizona. Terry Donahue? Donahue, that's him. <laughs> Patton seems to be the one they're looking at. What the happened most. to the fellow from Green Bay? He pulled out. They yeah. got new contracts from the Packers, both of them. The Denver Broncos are apparently looking for a GM as well and there's been reports in the press that they are looking to poach the 49ers' number one candidate. Do you think that having two teams in the mix and Den- Denver being the other team, do you think that whoever our number one candidate is could be swayed more towards a team like Denver rather than what has previously been the car crash of the 49ers? I think it's whoever pays the most money that wins in this league. You think it's just simply a case of the size of the contract? Pretty much, yeah. You know, Um if either of those two went for the money and it didn't work out, they'll get employed elsewhere. I, I, I am quite cynical, but the way professional football has gone, it really, to me, is revolving around money and not much else. Mm. So, um, I mean, the 49ers is a project. You know, it's not, 
something you can walk into and sort of start getting creative with straight away. Yeah. It's a project. It's a, it's a long-term project that's going to need a lot of components adding to it and a, making tweaks and adjustments. And it's going to require somebody who's, who's visionary enough to stay there for the long haul mm. rather than a season and think, stop this, I'm going, you know? So, um, it's, it's tricky. Would you take it if it were you, you know, it's, it's a very interesting question because you've also got that dynamic where it's not just the CEO that is yeah. coming to you about this job. It's also the head coach as well. That's got to be, that, that's got to add another element to it, hasn't it? Where, you know, a, a GM can go to Denver and they're only dealing with John Elway or they can come to the 49ers where they're dealing with Jed York and Parag Marazzi and whoever the head coach is going to be. It, it, it's a slightly, it, it's a different setup, isn't it? And that that could possibly put potential GMs off the job. Yeah, it could do. But then, it, it could. A GM going to Denver, like you said, Paul, would be dealing with John Elway, and that's Paul's out here with the responsibilities be there because Elway seems to sort of get himself involved in a lot of that stuff. Mm. Anyway, plus. The other thing, Paul, is you know, do you want to be part of a team that's going to be selling out every single game? Because those Broncos fans are quite rabid, believe me. Or do you want to be in uh, sort of middle middle of California, where the yuppie crowds show up at the start <laughs> of the second quarter and leave halfway through the third? You know, two empty seats. Yeah. That's, that's who's coming to witness your craft, basically. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So the money it better be good. S- sorry. <laughs> You could, that's you... why you need you need somebody who's off that mindset that this is a long-term project you know and say it's a long-term project but it's also a long-term project for the coach as well you know mm. it's the, the GM and the coach have got to be almost the same person they've got to be in that much sync and I think a lot of it will depend on the dynamic between the two you know so um, we've got to really hope that the GM and the coach are on message so to speak and mm. um and, and, and going to make a go of this. Well, our, our previous GM, the Dark Lord of the Sith, he did have a long tenure. Um, and, I mean, we all know what he did with it. Head coach is the exact opposite, isn't it? Three head coaches in three years. So, you know, you, you've got to... They've got to sort that dynamic out as well. They've got to give the new head coach time to develop... They're not going to turn this team round in one season. We know that. Probably not two seasons. But they're going to have to give that GM that leeway as well, whoever it is. Yeah, it's going to be a team effort. I mean, I think the the head coach is going to be the more protected one in this scenario, I think. Okay. The fact he's going to have input into who that GM is. Yeah. It's going to give him a slightly more stable footing than the last three head coaches hmm. shall we say but um it, yeah they're going to need time it's how quickly can it be done with free agency salary cap space you see rumours of Kirk Cousins if they start spending money as well and get some experienced leaders in to draft properly which 
we haven't done for a while, but a, a new team making those decisions. It could, it's going to be slow progress, but I think if we could, if we could go from two wins to three wins, four wins, six wins over a period of time, like two seasons or so, and then in the third year, sort of get near 500 or above, start knocking on the wild card, and that's the way to do it, I think. Mm. Back at the beginning of last season, um, or the end of the 2015 season, when Chip Kelly was hired, a lot of people, a heck of a lot of people, wrong decision, what are they doing bringing him in? You know, he he he, he was a, a head coach where we were the only team looking at him. Let's say that the Kyle Shanahan thing is a done deal and he is going to be the new head coach going forward. Are you excited? Are you cautiously optimistic? Are you sitting on the fence right now? What 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 are the thoughts of each of the three of you? Compared to Chip Kelly, um, I'm actually a lot more excited because Chip Kelly was they couldn't wait to get rid of him in Philadelphia. You know, so he had form in the NFL. Whereas this guy is coming off. He's a young guy. He's clearly. You know, he's done very, very well this season with, with the Atlanta Falcons. He's got nobody's speaking badly of him. He's a, he's clearly a, an asset to the Falcons. Um, Chip was never an asset to anyone apart from the University of Oregon. And uh, I have to say I am far more sort of positive about the impending uh, appointment of Shanahan than I was about Chip Kelly. Um, but that's not to say, I mean, Kelly got, he was sort of thrown under the bus to some degree, but at the same time, you expect something more from somebody of his experience. You know, uh, he's already been an NFL head coach in a very tempestuous location. Philadelphia is not a, not the easiest place to coach, and he went down like a lead balloon. And you can only give him a free pass for so long before you think, actually, mate, you know, you're not all that. And, mm. and I really don't think he is all that in terms of an NFL coach. Rob. How how are you feeling about the impending hiring of Shanahan? I like the I like the appointment. I think I think Deepak said it earlier. The um, if we look at what he's done in Atlanta, you got we got to be realistic and realise that he had Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Tevin Coleman, Devontae Freeman, to, to name a few of the, the team, and we don't really have that level of talent yet in San Francisco. But I think you also got to look at what he did in Cleveland, what he did in Washington, where he didn't have the, the Falcons level of offensive player either and was fairly successful as well. Yeah. And if he, the schemes he's putting out there, I assume he's going to come in and play or call the offensive plays himself. Obviously, we don't know that yet, but given we're behind the eight one getting coordinators appointed from a new head coach, I assume he's going to take that role, at least initially. Uh, I think that just to have an offensive scheme that looks like it belongs in the NFL would be interesting rather than college. Yeah. Uh, Kat, what are your thoughts? Are you are you excited or um, cautiously excited? First okay. off, I want to see I want to see pen to paper. I want to see that he is signed, but obviously that can't happen until after the Super Bowl. Um, if it is him. I thank God we're sticking with our heritage. We've always been offensive-minded, and that's where we need to stick. 
You know, we mm-hmm. need that offensive mindset in the head coach position to have the success that, that we want and, and, and crave. Um, he's done some exciting things in Atlanta and, you know, has had successes, like Rob said. So if we could get the talent for him, then I, I think we're looking at a good haul after he rebuilds. Um, yeah. But again, I, you know, I'm, I'm still cautious just because nothing's official yet. Okay. Um, no pick six details this week because, um, as we said earlier, Kev has been held up at work and not able to make it. So Kev will update the pick six details on our Facebook group page. So check out the details for that. Very quickly before we go, thoughts on Jim Tomsula being rehired as a defensive line coach? Good for Good him. Thing. Good yeah, for fantastic. him. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Very pleased for him. I'd like to see him move forward to um, defensive coordinator eventually, but yeah, mm. I'm I'm glad. Cool. Well, that is it for this week's show. Thanks to AudioNautics.com for the music. Thanks to James Little, Mark Lyon, Andrew Mitchell, and Graham Ross for all the work they do on the group and on the show. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Frequency49. And on Facebook, search the Frequency 49 show. It's time to say goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye, everyone. On behalf of Cat Victorino, Deepak Gohill, and Rob Newell, I've been Paul MacDonald, you've been the audience, and this has been the Frequency 49 show. Bye for now. <laughs>